This is the day. This is Easter. Happy Easter to you. He is risen. God bless you for testimony in music, testimony in word, in tears. Praise God for the testimony that you are echoing right now because this is the day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Please turn with me in your Bibles, your copy of the Bible, to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, the first gospel. I'm Elder James Schaefer, and this is the day, the resurrection day. You know, as you're turning there, remember this. Easter is as important to understanding who Jesus Christ is, as is Christmas, as is the entire Word of God. And that's why, as elders, that's why we want you to learn more of who Jesus Christ is by giving us your questions. So if you have any questions, questions you want to ask about the Bible, for example, you may want to ask a question, why did Jesus come? Why do I have to die? What happens after I die? If you have any of these questions, take the cards on the back of the chairs anytime, anytime, Place those in the box anonymously or with your name on it. We will answer those questions as best we can from the Bible. But I want you to listen. We need to answer this question. Is there really, is there a resurrection? Look at this video, this little short video, just to understand as we begin to answer that question. What's unexpected, what is completely unexpected is a resurrection from the dead, that is silent. That is a resurrection without any public relation ads, without any publicity, without any powerful personages and speeches, without a budget or any visible movement at first. Easter and the resurrection is silent at first. Like much of God's work, it begins in our hearts silently. And maybe that's as Melissa and you were thinking even just now. But this resurrection that we are looking at, the resurrection not only of Jesus Christ, but another resurrection that we will experience, will close in a loud crescendo, a crashing of calamitous change that bursts every atom of God's blessing over this world. Easter may begin silently, but God ends it in a shocking jolt. And we're going to go through and listen to the scripture concerning that. The Easter and the resurrection may begin silently in you, but will and must end in a shocking jolt. And he does that through the resurrection, not only in your life, but in this entire world. I want to say a silent Easter can also be a shocking Easter. But let's look first at the silent Easter, the silent resurrection. As I read from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, beginning verse 1, down to verse 10. And the scripture says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, 
For an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, however, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now Jesus Christ rose silently, but not stealthily, not in any secret fashion. He came from the dead in what is called the resurrection. The resurrection is the physical demonstrable, provable, irreversible resurrection from the death of a body, the death of a person, in this case, Jesus Christ. Jesus was dead. Hundreds of witnesses saw him. Most of those were enemies. They were not the friends who witnessed this and recorded it in documents that are still extant today. But Jesus was the first to rise, the first ever to rise from the death because his resurrection was planned just the same in eternity past as his death was planned. Colossians chapter 1 says it this way, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn. That is the preeminent one from among the dead. So that in everything he has supremacy. You know, Scripture prophesied long before about a literal resurrection from the dead in the book of Psalms, chapter 16, where God says, I will not abandon you, and, my, and I will not abandon my soul, the Lord says, to the grave, or let the Holy One see corruption of death. Scripture is silent. How? Jesus rose, but we know that he raised himself because it says in the book of John, chapter 10, Jesus himself said, no one takes my life from me. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus rose silently. No angel, no person, no army took that stone away. That stone was removed just so that the witnesses could testify that he was not there. God rose from the dead, and he proved his supremacy as God over death. But sort of like Christmas that, was, that came silently, God rose also silently. Now there's much to say about the silence of Easter and Jesus who rose silently. Most notably, it's this, that God does what he says he will do. 
He doesn't require any fans, any audience. He will never fail. He doesn't want an audience. He will never fail to rise. He rose silently without fanfare because we need to know that eternal life enters silently into my heart or your heart when we humble ourselves to trust the only God who can resurrect our bodies and our souls from this death that we seem to be trapped in this world. He woke silently and he works silently when the pain of death comes upon us or whenever we call upon him. That's why silence is the way that he came and he raised himself from the dead because we need silence to hear him. We need to stop the loud noises that continue to distract us from him. We need to hear this, that Jesus did not fail to rise from the dead and he never fails to raise those who trust in him. The resurrection was not only for Jesus Christ, but for this entire world. But he began by rising silently. He fulfills the prophecy. He will not abandon his soul to the grave. And he fulfills this promise. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. But then he even probes a little further. And he probes our own hearts and in silence, we need to answer the question that he asked. Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? In the silence of your soul, have you answered that question? Resurrection must also come to souls in silent and yet demonstrable repentance and sorrow for sin. Melissa explained it best when she said for years, I had not let Jesus in, whether it was outright refusal, just confusion, not understanding what I needed to do. I had never made that conscious decision. But when I did, I felt the weight lift off my shoulders. That overwhelming feeling I had been experiencing for weeks was gone. That conscious decision in silence. Easter Friends, Easter does not require a show in the heavens, but it requires heaven to show in us in repentance, in turning to Jesus Christ and accepting the resurrection and the life. Easter enters silently, but then it changes us in shocking ways when we place our faith in the risen Savior. Have you made a cognitive decision have you made a decision in your mind, in your heart, to invite Jesus, the resurrection of Christ, into your heart? Consider in silence the words that Jesus spoke when he said, I, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? But there's a cost. There's a cost to placing faith in Christ in the resurrection of Christ. The enemies of the resurrection, as you read later on in this passage in Matthew 28, they try to silence Easter, and they try to silence those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, in the resurrection. And follow, follow in the book of 
Matthew 28, beginning verse 11. But when the guards, or while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers large sums of money, telling them, you are to say to the disciples, his disciples, or say, his disciples came in the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story, these stories, have been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Whether Easter and the resurrection were silent or not, evil always tries to silence the resurrection. Always tries to silence those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. The world devises plans and plots like a Passover plot in order to silence all who put their faith in Christ. And those who long for the hope of eternal life, the hope of the resurrection. Why? Because silencing the resurrection silences hope in eternal life. And because the resurrection means there is an eternity. And hope means that there is salvation. Now some people think that if they're silent about their faith, that the world will just leave them alone. But that's not so with evil. Just like this plot that you read of, after the resurrection, they will bribe people, they will bribe me, and they will try to bribe you with things, with money, with distractions. And like Melissa mentioned those things as well. Evil tries to silence Easter by persuading, ah, it's just too, too much work to think about eternity right now. Think about things right now. Don't think about eternity. Even will do, evil will do this and even hunt people down who try to disagree with the story they have written. And some may say, well, that's a little cynical, James. But listen to what Jesus said. If the world hates you, understand that it hates me first. If you were of the world, it would love you as its own. And said the world hates you because you are not of the world. You have placed your faith in the resurrection and the life. Resurrection hope scares evil, and it scares because it can lose control. And this is what not only these disciples, but what you may be experiencing as well, whether it be from others or whether it be from your own heart. But the silent Easter is also firm, forever, fervent, and it is even shocking. Easter shocks because it brings a calamitous crash in the future, not too far future, and its blessing over the world. What makes Easter shocking? First of all, it's this, that if you've given your life to Christ, you've said, yes, I believe you are the resurrection and the life, then I want to tell you this. This is what's shocking. You and I are the only ones the only ones who can, who must explain the hope of the resurrection of eternal life. This is a shocking commission that Jesus Christ says we, 
who trust in him are the only ones to explain the hope of the resurrection. One example of those who were commissioned in this shocking commission were among the most gentle group of people that you could ever imagine, women. They were commissioned as the first witnesses. Not only were they commissioned as the first witnesses, Jesus Christ trusted them with his resurrection message. And this is shocking because women were the meekest of society. In a man's violent world, they were not even trusted in testifying in court. But Christ not only trusted them, he promoted them. These women who went, were fearless while the guards were fainting, they were dashing to testify when others were dolts and dolting. They were joyful when all else were fearful. Their example teaches that women, men, girls, boys, who willingly humble themselves, humble ourselves, to speak about the resurrection hope can shock this world. But I ask myself and I ask you, are you willing? Are you willing? God directs and directly ties the explanation the explanation of the resurrection, not to a light show in the heavens, not to a cataclysm of events, but rather to those who will humble themselves, receive the commission, and testify of his resurrection, because they, you, have the resurrection hope. This is God's plan A. There is no plan B that he wants us. And he has tied the resurrection and to the change that the shocking change that will take place in this world to people who are willing to testify. There is no other plan. This is why Jesus said at the end of the book of Matthew chapter 28, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations God changes this world through the resurrection. Yes, by commissioning those who will pray, who will talk to their neighbors, their friends at school, their co-workers, who will look and ask God to open doors. But he'll do this. Jesus will do this until the end of the age. And that sort of begs the question, the end of what? The end of the age. And that is where the final resurrection will take place. The shocking conclusion of Easter. You know, Easter began silently by God walking out of the tomb, just as he promised, giving eternal life to whoever asks, whoever, regardless of their background, regardless of their origin, Anyone, whosoever will, may come. But there's going to be a shocking conclusion of Easter. There is going to be a future resurrection. And Jesus' resurrection points to the final resurrection. That's why he said, Surely I'm with you until the very end of the age. He is with us until the end of the age. But I want to say, friends, 
Jesus' resurrection was not one and done. It was not the only resurrection. All the world will be resurrected and stand before God. And the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation gives us some glimpses into that final resurrection, what it's going to be to be before Jesus Christ in heaven in that final resurrection in which at the close of the age. And the book of Revelation chapter 21 and part of chapter 22 begins to explain to us that there will be a resurrection, a final resurrection in which we will stand before him. Are you ready? Listen as we read and I share with you from Revelation beginning verse 21, beginning verse 1. And the scripture says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the former things have passed away. One seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Then he said, Write this down, because these words are faithful and true. He told me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. To the thirsty I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. One who overcomes will inherit all things. I will be his God, and he will be my son or daughter. Verse 22, looking down, but I saw no temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, because the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its lamp. By its light, nations will walk into it. Kings of earth will bring their glory. Its gates will never be shut at the end of day because there will be no night there. Into the city will be brought glory and honor of the nations. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or even a lie, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Though there is going to be a final resurrection, Jesus' resurrection in history and time is the, the warning, the preparation, the joy and the glory for looking forward to the final resurrection. When those who are written in the Lamb's book of life will enjoy the final resurrection. 
But there are those whose names are not written in the book of life, not, who have not placed their faith in Christ. They will have a resurrection too, but it will be more than shocking. It will be terrifying. Because 21, chapter 21, verse 8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all, all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Easter Easter and the resurrection began in silence. And yet the shocking conclusion of the resurrection will be at the end of time. And perhaps not even in the far, far future, but in the near future. The resurrection can be exciting for believers. But it can be terrifying for those not in the book of life. But there is a solution to this dilemma, to this conundrum. The solution is this. And it's no more and no less what Melissa and maybe even your own heart is echoing right now. Because the solution is in the silence of your heart. Consider how Jesus' resurrection will wipe away your tears. The tears that you have now or the tears that you have shed. The mourning that you feel or the mourning that you have anticipated for fear. He removes those tears. And he makes all things new. The solution is to consider the promise that he gives eternal life to whoever asks. Because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. But do you, do you believe this? If you are not sure of eternal life, I ask you, will you ask him? In the silence of your heart. Will you talk to me or talk to any of the elders or any of those on the prayer team? Will you talk to anyone who you trust? Will you go to the Word of God? Will you ask Him? If this is your desire, I ask you, please, come. Come to Him. This is now the time to come to Jesus Christ. And as I'm about to pray, I'm asking the elders to come forward, and our dear sister missionary, Elisha Barrientos, because we want to pray not only for her, but also be here to pray for you. So as you're coming forward, elders and Elisha, then we ourselves will now bow together in prayer. And God in heaven, how we glorify in you the risen Savior, And how we glorify and thank God for you. For you are the one who has risen for eternity's sake. And for that future resurrection we look forward to. And for those, Lord, who have not yet given their hearts to you. Even as Melissa. May they give their hearts in the silence of this time to you, Lord Jesus. And as well now we lift up before you our dear missionary friend, Elisha. And we commission this lady who is going this Sunday to the mission field in the Philippines. And we lift up before you this dear lady that her hope in the resurrection 
would shine in the lives of those orphans that she's ministering to. Give her grace and safety. Give her joy in the journey. Give her firmness in the resurrection hope. And we thank you and we praise you for this time that we may honor and worship you. And we praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.